What's happening? Thursday, December 31st, the last day of 2020. Sure, most of you are not upset about that. I guess I'm not. But like I said yesterday, it's tomorrow's tomorrow. Things don't magically change on New Year's. The only thing that's likely is a lot of you'll be hungover. I won't. I've already started the the post-holiday run. I'm done with it. Lots of work to do, especially on these subjects in Washington and around the globe and need to get refocused and back on it. There's a lot to a lot to go through. And I want to talk about what can happen again on January 6th. There are a few options. The one that will not happen, Mike Mike Pence cannot alone flip this. I'm saying can't. It's not even a possibility anymore. I talked about yesterday how about if he did, the Supreme Court would likely throw it out. I've read something from somebody who has excellent history on being correct. We're not talking about Sidney Powell or Lynn Wood or any of these guys. And sorry, Rudy Giuliani so far hasn't really done much. He's fought his butt off, but I don't know what he's going to be able to deliver and results matter. But on January 6th, right now we know as of yesterday, Josh Hawley, the senator from Missouri, came out and said he will object and open up debate on the Senate. He's already got another senator or two to back him. I'm I'm sure Ron Johnson, Rand Paul, will second the motion. But when Congress meets, they meet as an entire body on January 6th. And all it takes is two members of the House of Representatives. There's like 150. The Republicans are really aligning on coming out and saying they're going to vote to not certify, to not validate the electors that have been sent to Washington. They're already there. January 6th is to essentially put a stamp on it. And so the moment just two members of the House of Representatives object, the joint session breaks up. The House goes one way, the Senate goes in their own chamber, and they meet again. Now, this is where the Senate will be critical. We know some people are going to take the podium, talk about everything they've seen, and if nothing changes between now and then, meaning no new information comes out, then I don't see the Republican majority with Mike Pence having a vote as the president of the Senate, I don't see the votes even tying with Pence as the tiebreaker. I just don't see it. They're not going to do it, right? There are too many of these rhinos to count on unless the evidence becomes overwhelming. And then you can even hope for like a Joe Manchin from West Virginia, a Democrat who's considered coming to the Republicans. And overall, I think he, he does what he believes is right. I'll give him credit. Uh, but he's a Democrat. Maybe you get a guy like that to even say, hey, we, based on these three or four states and what we're seeing or what we've seen, we cannot certify those electors. And now, you know, if the Senate somehow votes a majority, each senator gets one vote. The House is different. If it then kicks over to the House for them to decide, it goes to that delegates count, right? House delegates. It's not each House member has a vote. The majority in the U.S. Congress in the House of Representatives at that point doesn't matter. It goes to the state legislatures, right? Each state gets one House delegate. As of January 6th, the Republican lead will be 30 to 20. So although there's a Democrat majority, pretty slim after the election, but as of right now, significant enough for them to control the House, it's irrelevant if the U.S. Senate votes to give essentially the election to Donald Trump. Then it kicks over to the House delegates. 
Again, it's a huge, massive, fantastical long shot as of today. Now, there has been an interesting change. Out of nowhere, Donald Trump went home from Mar-a-Lago. So he's now back in D.C. as of Thursday, today, December 31st. He was going to be in Mar-a-Lago in Florida until sometime this weekend. Without reason, with very little notice, the president returned to D.C., And we have these legislative hearings going on in these state legislatures around the country. You've got Florida, I'm sorry, Arizona finding phantom votes. You have an individual named Pulitzer, which is hysterical because that's the name of the prize that journalists get. Probably not worth its weight in paper, but there's still a Pulitzer Prize. And everybody's wanted to be the, you know, the Nixon type reporter. Bernstein type ever since then they, they've tried and they'd hope Russia and the Ukraine issues would have been that they're all gunning for a Pulitzer no none of the 0.05% members of the press that might be conservative whatever have a chance but there's this inventor named Jovan Hutin Pulitzer who testified yesterday in the Georgia Senate the state Senate in front of their hearing on election fraud and this guy is a certified genius okay this is somebody who it, when we say inventor, he's legit. This is a, um, now pardon me for not looking up what he has invented, but he comes with a great deal of credibility. I did see him. He's testified um, in other cases as an expert, and he's apparently come up with a way to examine all of the ballot images because this image cast system from Dominion creates a ballot image for every ballot. And he's able to audit millions of ballots in a day based on his method for reviewing ballots and images. Um, Now, he believes there was fraud in the 2020 election, and he believes he can expose it with his method. Georgia, because they have a Republican-majority state legislature, might pull the trigger between now and January 6th for this guy Pulitzer to do his thing. Um, I'm curious. Because he doesn't care about the machine. That's a quote. He only cares about the code that was written in the machine. Another quote. What I care about is the physical artifact. And you know what? The physical artifact has material differences from district to district that should not be there. Why are they there? Right? He's not, he's saying this isn't the beating of a drum. This isn't the burning of a city. This is a data guy. Right? This is a code guy. And he essentially wants to look at 500,000 ballots in a couple hours. He can do that in just two hours. Pretty amazing. And he could come up, he's come up with a way to show fraud based on the QR codes, right? And so why not let him, right? We know why the Democrats won't. Not that they know fraud's going to be found. There are people that aren't in on this, but they're afraid. By now, a fair amount of Democrats have seen some of the stats. It's been overwhelming, even though the press has been trying to cover it, or at least block it, right, the mainstream media, from anybody seeing the statistics, the anomalies, right, the incredible phenomenon that Joe Biden pulled off in multiple areas. They've heard it, and they're nervous. They'll never admit it to you, but they've been freaking out inside. They're repressing all of this. That's why they have little meltdowns over things, because they're already suffering from TDS. And now in, in the back of their mind, there's that what if? What if Trump does it again? What if our people who might have cheated, what if they get caught? This is why these individuals 
aren't worth your time. They can even be honest enough with you to say, hey, you know what? It's possible. I mean, Joe Biden only won one of 19 bellwether counties when every president since 1960 has at least won 14, right? Every president that's won has won Florida and Ohio, which Trump won. These things are red flags. They don't want to talk about it, and they certainly don't want anything audited. They just want to get to January 20th and forget about it and move on and see Trump gone because they didn't vote for Joe Biden. They voted to remove Donald Trump, and that was a powerful message. I knew that would be enough to make anybody competitive, right? Anybody. I mean, if if there's one thing that can power a liberal, it's hate. Ironically, it's intolerance because they're always talking about tolerance. They are the most intolerant people you will spend time with in your life. Most divisive. And so that was enough to energize them to get them to do vote some voting, to get mail-in ballots. I mean, I would say if you take out the fraud, nationwide, Joe Biden got over 70 million. Legit. I mean, people that actually meant to vote, whether they were constitutionally legal, legal or not, that's another discussion, not one to be ignored. But I'm talking about the ballots that just were not lined up with an actual voter. And we know there were probably a few million when you take into account the battleground states. And it doesn't take that many when you only have to do it in a few counties to flip a few states. That's where they were smart, right? That's where they were smart this time. If they'd done it before, if they do it in California, well, no one's going to probably ever find out because the resources to look at that aren't really, they don't really make sense to spend the money to audit states like California. Even if they find fraud this go around, they're not going to flip it. Biden still won it. So I get why they focused on the few, both the Republicans in trying to expose it and the Democrats in actually doing it. Smart. But right now it's a game of each state that was contested by the Republicans getting to their legislative bodies and voting in a resolution and passing a resolution to overturn their certification. I think right now, Arizona, Georgia, and Pennsylvania can do that. If those three do it, and if debate opens on the Senate floor, you might get a Republican majority to vote against the electors. You need 51, right? Unless you get a couple Democrat abstentions, whatever. You got to get a majority. It's not two-thirds like an amendment. That's the one way that it might happen. It can't just fall on Pence's shoulder. If it ties, he's the tiebreaker, and we know where he'll go. And then we've got something. But hopefully Trump went home early or went to D.C. early and cut his vacation off because they're putting some things into action, right? He's getting on the phone with the leaders of these state houses and these state senates and pushing and encouraging anybody that hasn't revealed what they're going to do to motivate them to do the right thing because they've had hearings in Michigan and and Wisconsin too. Wisconsin's got a case that maybe will be heard by the Supreme Court, not likely. But if you look in total where the Republicans own these legislatures, you've got Arizona, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Georgia with a legit chance of passing a resolution on January 5th when they come into session that will then empower these senators and Mike Pence to go nuclear. 
And no matter how right or wrong it is, it's going to be right if they do it. People are going to flip out. You think you've seen meltdowns? My God. But I'm warning you, you're talking 1% chance zone. It's the best we got. But it's Donald Trump. Um, it's Donald Trump and it's the right people. And Giuliani's doing his thing. He's, I think he is the best man for the job. I'm being hard on him now because we're almost at, we're, we're at the end of the year. And if you'd have told me on, you know, three weeks ago, hey, December 31st, you know, you won't win any more cases after that one in Pennsylvania where the judge upheld the Parnell Kelly lawsuit that exposed the illegality and the unconstitutionality of their mail-in vote. Well, that one's slated to be just looked at by the Supreme Court. I think it's like January 15th. I mean, they're just dodging it. They don't want to touch it. But we could use some more court wins from Rudy's team. I think Sidney Powell and Lynn Wood do need to be cut off. They are uh, not doing Trump any good. Right now, the only people that matter are the ones that can help Donald Trump. Lynn Wood had his chance. He's off the deep end. His thing lately is asserting that Epstein is alive. Listen, that's fine and dandy. You can believe whatever you want to believe about Epstein. I mean, it was definitely shady. I think he's dead. I don't think he killed himself. Okay, but there are plenty of people that think he's in some kind of witness protection program and maybe vying for a pardon to come clean on the cabal, right? The pedophile left that Linwood believes includes Chief Justice John Roberts. I mean, it gets to a point where it's so fantastical, it's ridiculous. We have to be careful about this QAnon deep state stuff taking us too far away from the issue at hand. We got time for all that after January 20th. I'd love for Donald Trump to hold on to the presidency and be able to open up investigations into some of these things if there's evidence there. But we don't have time for that right now. Right now, the state legislatures are going to be influenced by the people in those states. And if you live in one of those battleground states, every phone call, every email counts. Encouraging them to do what's right based on the evidence that's been presented in the hearings they have held. We know they cheated. They know they cheated. Now it's where the rubber meets the road. It's nut cutting time. It's all great to hold hearings. It's all great to show there was fraud. It's all great to bring in expert witnesses. It's all great to show the American people what happened. But in the end, this is why they were elected. These assemblymen, these state senators, this is their job to represent their constituents. They're Republican for a reason. Republicans are up in arms. The polls show it. They believe, they know there was fraud. I don't think anything can happen on January 6th in Congress meaningful. Some things will happen, meaning the debate will open. Hawley's going to do his part, and so will the other senator required to open debate for two hours. They won't be able to do it in the House of Representatives because a majority vote can essentially silence that. They can shut that down. But if the U.S. Senate can vote in a majority <laughs> to toss certain states to discount and essentially decertify their electoral votes, well, the game gets interesting. We can look at this in one way. Why would Josh Hawley come out right now and say he's going to vote against it if nothing can come out of it? I mean, he's a sitting member of the United States Senate. He does know more than we do. Sure, he knows about all the fraud. Does he know how these legislatures are going to roll, how they're going to play out come January 5th or sooner if they can get some emergency sessions? 
maybe there are a couple. I you know I don't know when they all meet. I know Pennsylvania's on the fifth. That's essentially like the day. They could probably open a little bit early, but it's all up to their state. When I say open, they can go into session. They're on vacation right now, right? They're out of session. They're back sometime in the new year. None of them are going to reconvene after January 6th. This all lines up per the U.S. Constitution, their own state constitution. So I'm just saying January 5th, maybe I'm wrong on a couple, but by January 5th, they will all have been in session and they have Republican majorities and they can present resolutions for a vote, which is a big deal if you're a Republican, right? They have the majority. So do you want to be the Republican that says, no, I'm going to ignore what was shared in our hearings and I'm going to vote against the resolution, meaning I want to certify our electoral votes as is based on the fraudulent win for Joe Biden. That's probably the end of their political career. Now, we'd like to say they're going to do the right thing because it's the right thing. I feel better betting on it because it's all about political survival. And sad to say, that is not a partisan issue, meaning Democrats or Republicans, it doesn't matter. Politicians are about maintaining power and survival. You can give me a few exceptions. I can give you a few exceptions. But in the end, they all want to get reelected. They like the gig, whether it's a state assemblyman, whether it's a U.S. senator. They dig it. It's a good gig. Don't just focus on the fact that they maybe make a decent salary. There are a lot of benefits that come with it. And what a thing to be, to be a representative in a representative republic. It's a great thing. They don't want to lose. I think they will lose if they were to be put to a vote. Same as the U.S. Senate. Follow that logic. If by January 5th, you have three or four or five of these battleground states that pass resolutions saying we do not believe, we have no confidence in what our state secretary of state and our governor certified. We have no confidence in it. We're taking back our power per the constitution and we are voting down. We are voting to decertify what the executor did in our state, what the governor did in our state. If three, four or five states do that, now the U.S. senators, the Republicans, are going to be in a real position, right? In a real corner. Because Holly, Rand Paul, Ron Johnson, Ted Cruz, these guys are going to, at that point for sure, vote to go to a debate to break the joint session and to have a two-hour debate on essentially giving Donald Trump the election or canceling the state's electoral votes from the states that passed these resolutions. Do you want to be the Republican senator to vote against that? I think that would be political suicide, even... For a guy like Daryl Issa and a few of these other guys that are clear rhinos, or at least they just hate Trump, they would be in a hell of a spot if they said, I don't care about what these state legislatures and my own party said. I'm going to vote with the Democrats. Because at that point, you're going to the other side of the aisle. And primaries are coming up. And these guys will be primaried. And that's the one thing to be excited about no matter what happens. The Republican Party and really the new Trump party is taking note of what these Republicans are doing and what they've been doing since the election. The Republicans that have been quiet, the Republicans like Mitch McConnell, who now just got reelected, so he's good for six years. He's been iffy at best. Lindsey Graham's gotten real quiet. Again, just reelected. But the ones that are going to be up 
for re-election in two or four more years are going to be primaried if they go against Trump, meaning the Republican Party and the Trump voter, the deplorable, will support a different Republican in the primary. So that senator won't even get to the general election. They will be primary. They will be voted down. And that's something we can say with certainty. I do believe this kind of energy, this movement, no matter what happens, is going to carry over in 2022 and 2024. It will. Senators, congressmen, it doesn't matter. State legislators, if they win against Trump, they will have a strong, well-supported primary opponent to defeat them for the nomination from the Republican Party. That I can almost guarantee. And it's not just my original idea here. It's what you're reading. It is going to be the thing, the thing after all is said and done regarding this November 3rd presidential election. There's no way these guys are going to make it to a general election in their state if they stand against Trump. So keep your fingers crossed on the election. There are going to be a number of moves. Like I've been saying, something has to happen before January 6th. One thing I don't want to forget, I want to talk about Pennsylvania. Yesterday, it was probably happened right after I published the podcast from yesterday, Doug Mastriano, the Republican state senator, um, did write a letter uh, to the acting deputy attorney general, Richard Donahue, on Monday on the general election voter irregularities and fraud in the 2020 presidential election. Essentially, they, they did their own analysis in Pennsylvania, the Republicans did, and found there were 205,000 more votes than actually people who voted, which is interesting because it's almost the exact number Jesse Morgan, that truck driver, claims he had on his truck. They've estimated it was like 180 to 200,000. So it's real interesting. If you see Jesse Morgan's Twitter, he's that's what he's saying. He's like, this is, they've never found my trailer, right? All those ballots that were coming from New York, they never found them, never found the trailer. This was the trailer that guy drove on his semi-truck weekly. He loved it. He talked about, he's a great witness if you saw his um, his press conference with the Amistad Project a few weeks ago. So you again, you've got Arizona talking about phantom voters in their hearing. You've got each of these hearings with experts, uh, statistical experts providing their analysis on the impossibility and offering solutions, meaning offering ways to show the fraud. In Georgia, the same thing happened. Their, their hearings are going. So these Republicans, you got to give them credit in these states. They are still presenting evidence. One, the one thing that was presented yesterday in Georgia, they have testimony and the data showing election officials ran 15,000 ballots five times through Dominion machines. So they had a batch of 15,000 ballots. They ran them five times and got five different results. They could never duplicate it. Imagine if that extrapolated to the millions of votes in Georgia, which we can only assume it did because Dominion was used in virtually every county, all the counties that matter to include Fulton. So these states, these Republicans, you got to give them credit. We know how the guys who are running these hearings are going to vote. I mean, at this point, I'd only be disappointed if they didn't call to in their the moment they open their sessions, the Republicans call for a vote on a resolution to overturn their certification. That's all these guys can do is call for a vote, right? If they don't get the votes, then it should be the end of the political careers for those Republicans that do not support. They have a majority. 
if the Republicans do this as a party, they don't need one Democrat vote in these battleground states. So that's where it's coming down to. Now on to COVID, and it's to me, it's extremely concerning to see what the mainstream media is doing with the vaccinations. These are the people that said nine months was a joke. Uh, Jake Tapper, the always concerned, always frowning anchor from CNN, you can find the video. He was mocking Trump after the first debate, which was the end of October when Trump said, we will have a vaccine in a few weeks. Tapper mocked him. The press mocked him. He delivered. That vaccine is being administrated around the country, and each state is responsible for how they're distributed. And to be fair, this is a first-time, never-before operation. And a few million people, I think it's up to 3 million as of today, have received the vaccinations. There are surpluses. Okay, but the Democrats are already building the narrative. We talked about it yesterday so that Joe Biden can come in having done nothing and claim credit for when the rate of vaccination increases. It's naturally going to increase the daily people who are the the number of people vaccinated per day will increase exponentially as the next few weeks go by. One, because the distribution is going to improve. They're going to find better ways to treat people. They're going to be apps so you can make an appointment drive up, and only have to walk in to receive the vaccination. Right now, people are nervous to get it. That's why some of these regional, rural healthcare centers, medical centers have surpluses. There are a number of them that are putting out announcements the day before. Hey, we have 300 extra doses, first come, first serve tomorrow. Regardless, they, they would do an age, so they're saying over 65 or over 75. That's it, right? These vaccines go bad. I don't know what their expiration is, But apparently, even if they're stored properly, they can go bad. And remember, with the Pfizer, I think Moderna too, Pfizer is 21 days later, Moderna is 28. You have to have a second dose. So that has to be factored in. And that's my concern. I am worried that some of these hospitals who don't have a tremendous supply are going to over-vaccinate on the round one and day 21 is going to come around and people are going to miss uh, their second shot. Don't think it's going to be in great number but if that happens to one person that's extremely unfair it's a window from what i'm reading you have to hit to ensure the 94 95 percent effectiveness for these vaccines sadly there have been some people who have had the first round and then a week later have contracted COVID. of course the press is sharing that all over the place and you got all the extreme anti-vaxxers out there sharing that as well We all know that the first vaccine is not going to get you past 50% effectiveness. That's what they're saying regarding the Pfizer vaccine. That second shot is the ultimate booster, plus it takes time for your body to build up enough antibodies. What they won't come back and tell us is these individuals who have been infected are going to do extremely well. Because if it's a week, a week and a half later after their first dose, they do have some antibody response. The virus will not be considered novel in their body. Their body will have responded in a way as if it's had the virus. So there's going to be a better immune response. You won't read that. But you're going to read all kinds of stories about the vaccine. I think the mainstream media, while Trump is still president, even afterwards, they're obsessed with him. If he's not inaugurated, if this doesn't play out for Trump, they're going to trash him for months, maybe even two more years, because it's all they've done. You, If you came from another planet, 
you will think Donald Trump is still the president this summer if you turn on MSNBC, CNN. For sure those two, maybe even Fox News. But they're going to start a begging people to come back campaign any day now. They've started to soften. They're dying. They have nowhere to go. What are they going to go for younger audiences? Well, they're not watching cable news. We talked about this yesterday. They're watching stuff in their own network. They're not part of this mass media culture. People under 25 are finding their news on YouTube, on Rumble. They're finding, frankly, better sources. I think some of them are finding sources that always agree with them, and that's concerning. But there's just the need to sell commercials is too great on television. Cable or network, it doesn't matter. And so the network media concept is going to keep growing, meaning your own smaller, individually owned, more private news sources are going to be growing exponentially because people no longer want to watch cable news. They no longer trust it. And so you're going to see if you're still torturing yourself watching cable news. I have family that do and I get it. It's still a news source. I was a little hard on them yesterday, but you know, they they don't know of any evidence from the fraud because they they turn on Fox News for 30 to 45 minutes a day and they read a couple articles and they're all mainstream media sources. They want to move on. It's easier to move on. They don't want to, any even people that are trying to be uh, objective, they don't want to be seen as aligning with Donald Trump. Members of the press never know when they're going to need to find a new job. They want to get promoted and it's not easy to get promoted within your own organization. Right, you read the the top editors, the top um, publishers, or the senior editors, the opinion editors, all these people that have risen in the swamp that is the press. They've moved around, right? They they come from smaller um, state level papers and then move their way up and then finally get the big job with the New York Times, with NBC, right, with CNN. That's they they have to be willing to move around. Uh, to land that kind of job. Typically, it's hard to keep your career and keep your job in that career field, in that swamp, staying at the same organization. So they're not going to touch this, right? They just don't want to be seen as being in the Trump shadow after January 20th. To them, it's over. It's a Biden presidency, and that's what you're going to hear. You're going to hear anything as well from the far left ones, CNN, MSNBC, BuzzFeed, New York Times, Washington Post, LA Times, anything they can do to trash the vaccine, they will do because it's associated with Trump, just like it was with hydroxychloroquine, which has been proven to help patients with COVID, just like it helps patients with lupus, just like it helps patients with malaria. It's not a problem unless you have heart issues and some other things. And like anything, because it wasn't designed for COVID, right? It's a therapeutic that was not approved for COVID but is used off-label, that's the term for COVID, it's been around since the 50s, there are chances of side effects, whether you're a COVID patient, a lupus patient, or a malaria patient, okay? And um, you're, you're again, I see the vaccine being treated the same way. As soon as there's a problem, it's going to be front and center, and the press, as always, will have blood on their hands because they are scaring people. Don't be one of those cowards. I mean, I have, I mean, I can tell you my parents where they live think that the hospitals near them are overwhelmed and crowded and jammed to the gills. They're not. I have a family member that drove by one of the hospitals my parents said was overwhelmed with COVID patients. They have tents in the parking lot and nobody's there. Nobody's there. The tents aren't being used. But the press tells these people and our older family members essentially have locked themselves down. 
and they're more afraid than they've ever been because now there's a new COVID variant. And I'll close with this. How about that? There is a variant. As with every virus, there has been a mutation. It's actually weaker. The symptoms are weaker than the previous COVID version, and yet it's more contagious. It's probably about as contagious as COVID was in the beginning when it wiped out New York. But they have people absolutely beside themselves that this is the end of the world and it's it's going to be another year. They're dunces. This is any good doctor will tell you that this mutation will still be uh, stopped if you're vaccinated with a 95% effectiveness. And it's just more contagious, but it's weaker. And I've read a number of experts say that most, if not all mutations with these viruses end or result in a weaker version of the virus. Now, the only thing I have not been able to figure out is, of course, I don't read any experts that say this, that this will be seasonal because it's not an influenza family virus. They're saying that we're going to need COVID vaccines every year. That's absolutely ridiculous based on the data right now. Absolutely ridiculous. COVID SARS has never been a seasonal virus. It ravaged Asia in 2000 and has popped up different variants before. And then it goes away, right? This is COVID-19, okay? If COVID-20 happens, it'll come from China and we need to bomb the shit out of them. Oops, just said an expletive, oh well. My bad, but we need to, right? If they do this to the world, they need to be shut down, turned into dust, and they need to start over, right? There, That is going to be a global responsibility if that happens again. Because COVID-19 didn't occur naturally, and the next one coming from China won't either. And so watch for that. That's certainly a possibility. At least we'll be more ready. If something pops up in China right away, we will shut travel down. And I mean from probably everywhere. When it comes to airline travel, cruises, that'll stop. We'll lock the country down. Anybody that's been in China will be found and immediately quarantined. The airlines will work with them. Let's just pray that that doesn't happen again. So thanks again for listening. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close here. Keep your eye on these state legislatures. You know, have a, have a great new year. Be careful. The, you know, regardless of where you're listening, especially in the United States, the weather is terrible, um, especially if you move out east, northeast, midwest, even north Texas has ice, snow, terrible winds. And as we know, on New Year's Eve, it's amateur hour. A lot of people have been penned up. A lot of people have not gone out and probably will. And most drivers suck. And you need to not be on the roads with all of these amateurs who have been drinking and who are probably going to party like it's 1999 because they're certainly glad 2020 is ending. And what a sad thing for the individuals will who will die tonight partying because of, it was the end of some calendar year and all of a sudden things are going to be better and they drank too much and God forbid they kill someone else. It's going to happen. Please be careful. Keep your loved ones close. It's always a weird night. I think I think December 20, December 31st, 2020 is going to be one of the weirdest on record. So watch yourself. Have a wingman. Be careful. If you can stay home, do it. And uh, we will talk to you tomorrow and continually throughout the week as things develop around the country. And we keep our fingers crossed and we pray that Donald Trump has another card to play. God bless.